actually it's hard moving to Denmark. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Because it's not it's not a criticism of Denmark at all. It's just about us being real. That's author Carrie Bloomfield. She's joining us today for some real talk about moving to Denmark, what Danes get right and wrong about integration, and the stories that inspired her new book, Nothing Like a Dane. Together, we'll discuss the realities of life in Denmark for internationals like us, both the good and the bad, as well as our thoughts on why Denmark has no problem attracting international residents, but struggles to keep them living here, and why it's becoming a major issue for all of Denmark. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Are You Doing in Denmark, the podcast that helps you make Denmark make sense. I'm your host, Derek, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Mike. That's right, and we are excited to be joined by Carrie Bloomfield. She's a proud Kiwi, now living in Denmark with the Dane and her daughter. And she shared her journey, both moving to Denmark and adapting to Danish culture, in an amazing book called Nothing Like a Dane. Carrie, welcome to the pod. Thanks, guys. Really nice to be here. Am I the first Kiwi? You yes. are the first Kiwi. I think you're the first first person of the Southern Hemisphere to come on yeah. as well. So that's, you that's you're covering a whole half getting a lot of firsts. Yeah. Yeah. No. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And welcome and, and happy New Year and welcome back because I know you were recently traveling before for the the holidays and the New Year back in your native New Zealand. Yeah. Actually, the first time we've gone back for Christmas in eight years. Wow. Oh my God. So I got to have my summer Christmas, uh, which was great. Um, and the great thing about traveling this time of the year, you go from winter to summer. <laughs> the worst thing is when you come back, you go summer to winter. So, uh, yeah, we had a great time, but I must admit the first few days back uh, is always a bit of a struggle to readjust. So how does a Kiwi Christmas differ from a Danish Christmas? You, you talk a lot about you. You've had, what, eight Danish Christmases here. You get to go back to do your Kiwi Christmas, probably your daughter's first Kiwi Christmas as well? It is. She said one, but she was six weeks old, so we okay. let her off for not remembering that one. But uh, in New Zealand, it's more we're more casual with Christmas. We celebrate on the 25th, like you guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have traditions, but they're not as fixed as I would say that they are here in Denmark. Like the Christmas table could be like we eat a lot of ham and lamb and chicken and salads, but they could be any salads. It's like this little conversation we have before Christmas about what should we make this year. Uh, it's not the predictable um, plates that you'll get. The Danish, the Danish. Two types of potatoes that are right, actually very similar, but <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I like that. American Christmas is basically whatever you make of it too. So yeah, yeah. could be ham, could be lasagna. It. Nice. It's really up for, to you. For my family's Christmas, we had ham and lasagna and meatballs and like it was a little bit of everything. Well, we also like we eat outside. We ate outside uh, this year, so that was great. We're close to the beach, so uh, you go play a bit of beach cricket, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you get to play with your toys all day. You don't get them right. and then have to go to bed. Oh, away. right. Because like, you have like a late sunset and you can be outside and that sounds yeah. actually kind of nice. And it's just warm. So... Uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah, and I know a lot of people in yeah both Denmark and the Northern Hemisphere find that a bit weird having a summer Christmas, but it's how you're brought up. So it's right. it's not that you're saying one is better than the other, but that is what my DNA knows and associates with Christmas. So it was for me, it filled my cup. Yeah, yeah but I have yeah. my Christmas this year, and it was something really exciting for my daughter to experience that I sure. hope she'll keep hold of those memories. I'm just picturing all the kids growing up there though, and seeing all of these. Christmas movies with the snow and <laughs> how does but you know what like I'm, I'm like when I grew up so American TV is quite an influence in New Zealand at that sure. time we were getting a lot of you know we still do a lot of American movies and yeah you of course a Christmas movie comes on it's got snow in it 
But we didn't question it. It was just <laughs> that's how it is. I guess if yeah. you if you live in that a, a place where there's a warmer climate, you would have the same experience too. Sure. I mean, I remember I lived for a year in Houston, Texas, and I remember that I didn't go up for Christmas to my hometown until like the 23rd or so. And so everything's decorated, like palm trees decorated with Christmas lights. And like yeah. we had like our company Christmas parties, a barbecue outside. It's like there was a little bit of a, it messed up my mind a little bit. I'm like, this is this is shouldn't you be freezing? Like, shouldn't this be kind of miserable and cold? Right. Like, Don't you hate yeah. this except for the fact that it's Christmas? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, well, what you'll see in New Zealand sometimes is Santa Claus is sometimes dressed in a beach shirt and shorts oh. and his jandals, which oh. really looks wrong, but it's a bit of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. A little Love. bit of that Kiwi spirit kind of yeah. taking taking it off a little bit. Yeah, yeah I like that. Exactly. Well, we'd like to start the, the show with a little bit of a game to make sure that you know we're all compatible at this table, of course, but maybe Mike or I, one of us will kind of be like your BFF to, to kind of guide through everything. Uh -huh. So right? we're going to decide who. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's a competition. Yeah. Hey. So, uh, so we'll ask you a series of questions. Answer whichever one speaks to your heart more. One answer was given by Mike. One by me. And you know, we'll do Tell two out of three. Exactly. We'll be getting matching tattoos before you know it. There yes, we go. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Let's see where it's going. All right. So, yeah. Hit me. <laughs> we'll hit it. So the first one. So you open your book with the story of you ambushing the Dane at a pub and stealing his pizza. What pub food? Would you be more likely to steal from a potential BFF? Would it be a buffalo chicken sandwich or mozzarella sticks? Mozzarella sticks. Ooh. That was me. Yes. It's my favorite bar food, my favorite pub food. Yeah. <laughs> Although if you, you know, stole them from me, I really, a bold move too. Like pickup line of, I'm just eating your pizza now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that, that's what we do in New Zealand. And yeah. We talk to strangers. Um <laughs> But, you know, that's also the downside. You end up moving across the world. Right. You never know where it's going to go. That's the risk. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Be it careful a... whose pizza you're scavenging. You may right. end up marrying them and moving to right. a different continent. Yeah. Oh, crap. Consequences. Yeah. The, the next one, um, you and your, your now husband had coffee because in the series of events, he was supposed to be flying out that next day, but did not. Mm -hmm. um, so you met for, for coffee. Those early dates can tell you a lot about a potential partner, maybe about a potential BFF. So if your BFF suggested an early date night that was either pub quiz or a basketball game, which would you find more appealing? Pub quiz. Oh, two for two. You guys are just oh. on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Early on, I like, yeah, we, we had a very like casual early dating and I was just like, you want to go to a pub quiz? Cool. You know, it was like it started with that hanging out and then mm -hmm. basketball and, yeah, moving to Denmark. These, these things can all They snowball. all lead somewhere. They all, pizza, <laughs> pub quiz. Be careful. Be careful who you, who you talk right. to. Right. For us, for us it, was, it was kickball that kind of evolved into That's moving true. to a foreign country. So yeah. it's it's kind of how it goes sometimes. Yeah. yeah. All so, right. Um, let's see if you can get the trifecta here or if you have a little bit of love for me. Um, <laughs> A so, pity point for Mike would be nice. I'll take a pity point. Uh, so you also share in the early part of your book the panic of your car breaking down while driving in the wop wops. I oh, love that nice. term. I love that term. Yeah. Um, so which car fail from a BFF would you relate to more? Would it be one who thinks that you have to speed up to go over a speed bump or one who is unable to drive manual until their late 30s? Neither's desirable. I right. Think. No, it's yeah. more about which which is which is least. <laughs> so, I mean, here's the thing: no BFF is perfect. Which one is least bad? Mm. I think the speed bump one, because coming from New Zealand, we're a very car centric nation. Mm -hmm. Big land mass. Yep. Not so many people. You yep. need a car. Yep. 
So I would question why someone didn't get their license until in their 30s. Mm. That would be more uncomfortable. Sure. Or I'd be the friend driving them around for the first 15 right. years of our relationship. And I'd, you know, I'd feel a little bit burned about that. So I'd rather the speed bump. Got it. Yeah. Well, that was also me. Yeah. But, so 15 or six. Yeah, I think 15 year old me. You know, I had my, my learner's permit and my dad has me driving in the minivan. We were going to a college fair and I, I just like floored it over. So you wanted to fly there. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's called a speed bump. I, so you I, think I literally was thinking like, up. It's not a just, slow down bump. I knew something changed when people went over those. I just assumed that it was. Yeah. <laughs> I assumed it was. You know, you gotta go. You got you gotta give it a little gas to get over the speed bump. That 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 was my yeah. my poor. Was judgment. the car okay? The car the car was, was dad fine. Okay? My dad was a little bit annoyed. Mostly yeah. like this thing's not paid off. Be careful with <laughs> right. Yeah, but it was okay. It was that was okay. that was part of my learning to drive. But you learned how to drive. Manual. In my defense, I had my my you did have your license. My license, but I only drove automatics in the U.S. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how it is in New Zealand. If it's if there's manuals or everything's automatic. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Having just been back there, I'm reminded how many old cars we have over there. Oh. Um, no, I grew up. I learned in a manual. That was a very uh, strong thing from dad. It was like, no, if you want to mm-hmm. drive, you're learning in a manual. Yeah, you get yep. to understand the car before you go in automatic. So I don't think I drove automatic till I was like 25 or something. Really? When I was working, so. It's so majority automatic in in the states. I think yeah. a lot like I didn't learn how to drive manual, drive stick shift until I was twenty. Well, you had a stick shift. I car. had a stick shift, and then I had to learn. Yeah. yeah. When I bought my first car, they were like, "It's cheaper if you buy a manual." I was like, yeah. well, "Let's do that, <laughs> right?" How hot can it be? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so was, I taught you in a parking lot. You taught me in a parking lot here in Denmark. So that was a test of our relationship. Moved you over yeah. here, and then taught me how to drive stick shift and we survived yeah we all bring something into this relationship well we all learn a lot and um you know i I think your book helps a lot of people uh to learn at least that they're not alone in some of these Mm. things that 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 we all go through as we move country uh whether it's to denmark or elsewhere Mm. and um so first thank you for for sharing your story it's very relatable very honest and raw at times but also you put it in a good light. It's 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 funny. It's nice to just kind of feel like okay, somebody gets these things yeah. that I've gone through. And you're not the only one, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that you feel seen, perhaps. Is that that's feedback yeah. that I get a lot. Is thank you for writing it. I feel seen. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's huge. Um, yeah. That wasn't necessarily my intention when I started mm. the project, um, but as an end result, it's something that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like your story is more illuminating for Danes to understand the challenge of coming here as a foreigner or for other foreigners that maybe are planning to come to Denmark or have, can see their story here as well? Do you think it's yeah. more influential for one or the other or different ways for both? Different ways for both. At the moment, I would say more internationals mm. have read mm. it. This is the feedback that I get weekly emails, DMs with people saying, thank you for writing it. I feel mm. seen. Yeah. But... Danes also take something away from it, and Danes have read it, and the feedback that I get from the Danes is that it's like a light bulb going off for them. Mm. Because, of course, when you're when it's your country, you don't know what it's like to be a foreigner yeah. in your country. I don't know what it's like to be a foreigner in New Zealand, although the longer that I'm away and when I go back on my trips, <laughs> I'm like, well, why, why are you all doing this? Like, right. Um, your, your norms do change, but essentially that's it. And, and that's one of the, the themes of the books too, whether it be Denmark, New Zealand, the US or, or anywhere else is like as locals, sometimes I think we can do better sure. at welcoming foreigners sure. and understanding their journey because it's not that we 
don't want to belong or that we come with uh, intentions of continuing to do things our own way. Life's short. We were like, for me, I want to live my best life here in yeah. Denmark, but it's not easy. And so for Danes to have that little insight as to what it's like to be a foreigner in that country, I think, um, is a powerful thing as well. And certainly mm. those that have read it, Danes that have read it, Danes who perhaps are more internationally minded as well, whether that's that they've lived abroad for a significant amount of time, mm-hmm. which I count to be two, three years plus, not just a semester abroad. Sure. They're the ones that that are reading it at the moment and they get it. So, yeah, my wish is that more Danes will read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that can help kind of pierce the Danish bubble a little bit that way. There's a, a nuance in your book that I really appreciate. You, you And you've talked about it in other arenas, too, where you say you prefer the word international to foreigners. What's the difference between the two words for you? So, by definition, foreigner is someone who doesn't belong. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's a... Hell of a weight to have on your ha- on your shoulders when you've moved to a new country and you're trying to build your new life. I'm not here for a holiday. I'm not here for two years, five years, seven years. I'm building my forever afterlife here. I yeah. I had already built up a life in New Zealand, and to have this tag of foreigner continually hanging on my shoulders is yucky. Mm-hmm. So to me, international is more encompassing, more welcoming, more of a team dynamic. That it's not just about me fitting into Denmark, but it's about Denmark understanding me as well. Mm. Because I'll always be a New Zealander living in Denmark, right. even when I get my Danish passport. So I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. And if you want to get the best out of me, it's accepting me for who I am, not for me pretending to be somebody else. So mm-hmm. I can embrace Denmark. I can learn the language. I have learned the language. I can... Uh, learn all these traditions. I can learn how to make brown and white potatoes for Christmas, <laughs> but at the heart of it, I'm still Kerry from New Zealand, right. living in Denmark, and I think that's okay. With something to offer, because your background yeah. coming from New Zealand adds another layer of, of, of fabric to Denmark as well, or those around you that you meet. You know, I really like what you said, and I think that that resonates because I think integration is a two way street. Absolutely, one hundred. So yep. It's also accepting and embracing somebody's dual identity as both I can adopt Danish things. I'm not trying to push my other identity on you, but allow me to be two things. I don't have to just drop and data dump everything that I brought here because it was really special and it it got me here. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the strongest feelings. I mean, the book covers the first year, the the fish out of water syndrome Mm. of a sensation of when you move somewhere and nothing makes sense. You don't understand anything. You don't know where to go to buy things. You don't know anyone. Like I remember sitting in the apartment and thinking, I actually have no one to visit. Right. Apart from the man at Netto down the road, (laughs) (laughs) who's maybe getting tired of seeing me. Um, But whereas when I'm in my hometown, I can effortlessly fill in the day. You can go visit your great aunt. You can go, you can just go to the local Mm. supermarket and you run into people you went to school with. How do you think that's changed? Because as as you say, your your memoir covers when you were first here as a fish out of water. That's Mm -hmm. seven years ago now. Yeah. How has, I guess, how have you made that two-way street of integration come over time because obviously as you first came over very much it was you drinking from a, a fire hose yeah and having to adapt to the social norms and then everything else how have you found your own voice over the time that you've been here to stand on your own two feet and still retain that carry the kiwi as well as the carry who lives in denmark yeah well it's it's been a journey it's still a journey um, but i would say those first few years in particular were dark um not enjoyable um 
because I'm a non-EU resident, <laughs> I'm a family reunification per yeah. residence mm. permit, there's a lot of immigration hoops to jump through. And Denmark mm. has some of the strictest immigration rules in the EU. Um, and unless you've been in that situation and confronted with them, a lot of people don't actually realise that. So those first few years are for sure filled with obligations. They still yep. are. Um, you know, learning the language, going to language school, working full time as soon as you can, because they have to work for four years full time before I can mm -hmm. apply for permanent residency. Um, so I was uh, working full time, going to language school, doing my best to understand what's happening around me, trying to find friends, trying to find meaningful employment. And that all takes a toll. And I remember when I finished my last class at, at Dan uh, Danish language school, that, that was a process for me of about three years. I just remember at the end of that, it's like, now I need to do something for myself. Mm. Because as much as I want to, as much as I need to learn the language, it's draining a lot from me. And not just the language, but trying to find who you are, trying to find your place in a new country. So... It was then that I made the decision to write the book, actually. Mm. it's uh, And I was sitting on the plane. We'd just been back to New Zealand, and um, we were about to depart. And it's that that feeling of, you know, you've, you've had such a wonderful holiday where everything was familiar. You were around the people that knew you before life in Denmark, mm -hmm. people that have known me since I was four years old, um, such a comfortable space. And when you're sitting on that plane about to depart again, and for me, it means another two years before I'm back because New Zealand is 18,000 kilometers away. <laughs> so there's time, there's money, there's mental and emotional investment in, in being able to go back. So sitting there on the plane thinking, I'm leaving again, I'm, I'm going away from all these things that I know, uh, people that know me and love me, and I'm going back into this other environment, this other country where I'm continually trying to find uh, where my place is. And if I have to do that, then I need to make it count. Like I need to make all these challenge, turn all these challenges into my unique opportunity, right? So that's where I set the intention to write the book. I was doing a lot of writing uh, already on social media and blog, and that was resonating with people. I was being connected with a lot of like-minded people, but social media is just social media. So yep. here today, gone tomorrow, right? And I wanted to create something that would outlive me. And so I would say that with the book coming out, whilst it wasn't my intention, it's definitely given me a new confidence because now... I hear from people that, you know, that I've never met before thanking me for writing it and mm. that they've got comfort in it, that they laugh through it. And, you know, humor to me is really important as well because life is too short. So the more we can make people laugh, the better. And that's definitely what I've tried to do in the book as well. So I do feel like I'm in this different level of confidence now. Mm -hmm. It's not, yeah, I'm not the person that I was eight years ago. Of course. And I think sometimes people read the book and then start a conversation with me thinking I'm, this, I'm that person, sure. um, which I'm not, of course, like we've, we've progressed. <laughs> um, I am more confident. I have a handle on the Danish language now, so I at least know what's going on around me. Whereas before, like, remember that feeling when you first arrive and oh, you, yeah. mm. you don't know anything, which gives you a huge sense of vulnerability, I think, when you first move into a, oh. a new country. I think you've said this multiple times, Derek. It's like suddenly... You're in a place and you're in your 30s and you've done stuff and now you can't read or write. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Or how to do anything. You know, it's right. not, I mean, even if I can communicate in English, I may not know where I need to go for something. I may yeah. not understand how something works. I may not understand why I'm being looked at or, or responded to in a certain way because I'm breaking unwritten rules that, that you don't know don't about. Know about. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's sometimes 
it also is on the other side too, where that Danish person may not realize that, oh, this isn't him being rude. He just doesn't understand exactly. the culture quite yet. Or maybe they don't even understand that the culture is different elsewhere, um, whether it's at work or at the grocery store, that there's these things right. that I'm not doing anything to be inoffensive, but um, not everywhere has a flat hierarchy. And I prefer to maybe have a manager tell me what to do and not a colleague because in the culture I come from, that comes off as a little bit nosy and a little bit uh, pushy. Rude. And rude. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I don't always understand, oh, it's, we're direct here. We have a flat hierarchy. Yeah, but you're also maybe rude. Yeah. Oh, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of things on both sides that can be, you know, can be confusing in those early Exactly. And I think back too to my early days is that I I didn't want anyone to know that I was a foreigner. Sure. So as well as being new in the country, I perhaps also made it even more awkward for myself because when I was in public, I didn't want to speak. Mm. I didn't want an, anyone to know my weakness, which was that I did not know any Danish mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and it was also, I arrived in 2016, when did you guys? 2017. Yeah. yeah. So you'll remember in 2017, there was a major media shitstorm uh, with the then immigration minister yeah. yep. mm-hmm. celebrating 50 law changes to D- Danish immigration mm-hmm. yeah. law. Law changes which affected people like me. Yeah. People yes. on family reunification oh, yeah. permit. And having no bigger context, having just arrived at the country, <laughs> then you see politicians celebrating, making it even tougher for you to live in their country with a cake. Like, we all know Danes love cake. Yeah, right. I took it personally, rightly. Oh, rightly. 100%. I, I, I absolutely felt that way. Um, so, yeah. So it was it was because of the talk in the media about non-EUs, non-EUs must do this, non-EUs uh, you know, must jump through these hoops. And media stories like that, that is why when I went out in public, I didn't want anyone to know that I was a yeah. foreigner because yeah. I thought Denmark didn't want foreigners. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> in all essence, that was true. And there are still political parties that, uh, that feel that way. So you never know who you're talking to. No. And immigration continues to be a big political football, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Everywhere around the world, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when you're the foreigner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Foreigner, international. Um, yeah. You really do take that personally. So. I would go out in public and do everything I could not to speak, uh, which, you know, th- thankfully in Copenhagen, you don't often get approached by strangers for random conversations. <laughs> right. However, when you have a baby and you're at the supermarket, yeah, you are a yeah, magnet yeah, for sure. all the old ladies to come and talk to you. So it was this, you know, I would use a very thin, uh, vocab- very small vocabulary and... Yeah, I probably, in hindsight, made it a lot more awkward than what it was. But I don't know. I couldn't have changed that. That's just how it was. And that's the thing about the book. It captures a moment in time. It's not my forever after Mm -hmm. um, thoughts about Denmark at all. And it's, I think, when people read it, I I hope they also take that for what it is as well. And as you wrote the book several years after when this all took place, was there a catharsis that you felt as you were writing it, looking back on where you'd become versus where you were before? Was there anything kind of in, in that way that you felt as well as preparing something for the outside world that it, it impacted you as well? As you say, mm-hmm. it gave you confidence or it made you look back and feel that you'd done something incredible that, that you didn't know that you could do necessarily. Yeah, I think that's come after it's been published. So mm-hmm. whilst I was working on it, it definitely it, it made life 
um, more meaningful, more enjoyable. You know, I had this really cool project that I was working on mm. and that was opening my world to a, a, a new group of friends, creative friends that were helping me along on the project as well, giving me a lot of new skills along the way. But when you're writing it, you don't know how the world's going to react to it. And sure. this is the thing when you're an author, right? And then it's, it's like having a baby. And there's not one book in the world that everybody likes. So you have to, part of releasing, like I remember writing it and finishing it, you know, going through the editing, having everything there, you know, the cover, the layouts. And then I thought, what about, I'll just put it back in the bottom drawer. Mm. I don't have to put it out there, do I? Um, and I remember that thought. I thought maybe, maybe it's just easier if, if I don't put it out there. But, um, you know, part of the accountability was that I'd gone public and I had to. So, it, And it was yeah. fantastic because if I'd not birthed this book into the world, then I wouldn't have had all these lovely conversations that I've had since. And the ability to continue the conversation about what integration actually means. Yeah. Because I think there's a better way to do integration. I'd love to hear more. You talk. You're very open in your book about how you you have to sit down with somebody who is a decade younger than you to try to build this integration plan as you come through. Oh yeah. Having lived through the experience, what what can Denmark do better to to make it a two way street? Put you on the spot yeah, a little bit. I don't know, especially some of the things in the news where I think the realization is slowly creeping in mm. that some of that political forces that. Made in, made immigration harder not too long ago is now having repercussions as the economic needs of the country and especially the welfare state uh, basically needs more workers and those exactly they're, they're, Denmark can't supply the uh, the the employees now yeah and, they uh, have to employ internationally they need us and yeah. and uh, internationally plans are being made with other governments to bring, bring in and attract some of that labor and that's going to create some tension politically and socially. So Absolutely. integration is a big topic now, but is probably going to be even bigger in the coming years. And I think the thing with Denmark is, uh, from my perspective, it's not difficult to attract people. Sure. Pastries, right. Vikings, what's not to love, right? Yes, yes. The, 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 the tourist board does not need help. And <laughs> No, so I, I feel like people are easily attracted, and, and the research actually backs this up. There's, yeah. I think it's the Expat Insider Survey um, talks about not only Denmark, but with the Nordic countries, people are easily attracted, hmm. uh, but difficult to retain because hmm. they have difficult yeah. difficulty in finding a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And that's something that needs to be overcome. Um, and the first step about that is awareness. So it's yeah. this awareness of, hey, this is what it's like to be a foreigner in the Nordics in, in Denmark. Um, this is, whilst the book's called Nothing Like a Dane, it is not a book complaining about Denmark. It is right. not a book saying, I do not want to be a Dane. You know, I live with a Dane and I've created a Dane. So I very <laughs> much have a vested interest here in Denmark. Yeah. Um, but it is a journey. And like anything, and I think in this age of people more freely or it being more okay to talk about mental health as mm-hmm. well, why can't we say, actually, it's hard moving to Denmark? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Because it's not, it's not a criticism of Denmark at all. It's just about us being real. So that was definitely one of the intentions of writing the book too, was to share the reality of moving to Denmark. Because I think there's a lot out there and we all like to hear lovely things about our own country. New Zealanders are equally uh, guilty of this when an international (laughs) tourist (laughs) arrives. It's always, what did you think? What do you think of New Zealand? Of course. And it's a loaded question, right? Better deposited. (laughs) Right. 
Um, and it's the same when you move to Denmark. You get asked by Danes, uh, you know, what do you think of Denmark? Uh, <laughs> and it's a great country. And it's New not Zealand- to make sure you're okay. No. <laughs> right. No. Um, but, you know, what I normally say is Denmark's a great country. So is New Zealand. I'm very privileged that I have. 100%. You say that. And it's funny because I feel like that was an evolution for me. Yeah. And um, I I know that in New Zealand, you didn't necessarily have maybe the same experience. But for me, moving in 2017, there was a lot of political um, discourse in the United States. There was a lot of maybe upheaval and things seemed a bit volatile. So it was and people loved bringing up different politicians and issues that were going on in the United States from Mm. that period of time. So that was also very I felt a loaded question where it wasn't just what do you think of Denmark better than the U.S. Right. Where then I started realizing like, no, I love love the country that I come from. And I love living in Denmark, too. I'm so lucky to have two places that I call home that I feel a part of. And a lot of people don't get that. So it's really special. And it's not something that is threatening. That does not mean that I have a distaste for the U.S. because I moved away and does not mean that I'm not fully embracing Denmark because I am every day just because I love the country that I come from as well. So I think that duality is a really special thing that should be celebrated. You're not cheating on Denmark and you're not cheating on the U.S. No. Um, but that does take a bit of realization to it's get like, that. Wh- which of your kids do you love more to somebody that has, you know, right. four kids? Well, you love you them all in different ways. Exactly. You love them all equally. Yeah. But yeah, it takes it's a nice. bit to get to that realization. Mm. Do you find that people assume you've moved to Denmark for a better life? Absolutely. Ooh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Very much. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And that's almost uh, on that same lines of trying to say, <laughs> no, we're, we're here because... Life brought me here. Life brought me here. And, you know, Mike was recruited to move here for, for work. The feedback we typically get, it's, it's you know, when we say moved here, it's like, oh, you know, you moved away from U.S. Guns, healthcare, Like, it's always the, the quick go-to. Absolute worst yeah. thing. And yeah. it's like, no, like, like, I'm very happy to be in Denmark. Like, it's I didn't come here running away from something. I came yeah. here for an opportunity. We came here for an opportunity. But it's not as if I was. We were running away from some hellscape, which no, is kind of exactly. how it comes yeah. across. Yeah, I had a great what, what, life there. Yeah, you know? same same as you say. We had a great life in, in Philadelphia. Like if we'd never come to Denmark, we'd have a great life right now. Like, am I glad we came to Denmark? Absolutely. This has completely changed our lives in a way and experiences we would have never had otherwise. Yeah. But it's not as if the alternate scenario is something that I would have more to think about. And it's not roses in every no place, no matter what. No, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I've had feedback from from a few people who, yeah, I'm not sure if they've actually read the book because I'd like to think they've read mm. the book through to the end. They'll they'll get the greater theme. But the question sometimes I get is, well, if you don't like it in Denmark, why don't you go home? Sure. Oh, very much. <laughs> That's probably one of our most. And leave my daughter here. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Every negative comment that we get on social media or on YouTube, especially. And of course, this is something that is very easy to type, but you would never say to somebody's face in most cases. I don't care how direct you think you are. You wouldn't say that to somebody's face. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, I, of course I want to clap back and I'm like, don't do that. (laughs) You know, but I'll just say like, (laughs) but I think it's fair to say like, no, things don't work that way. And there are probably things that you don't like, but where are you going to move? Like I'm allowed to the place that I live, that I invest in, that I pay taxes to, whatever, I'm allowed to have opinions on. And that's the way that it is for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Life's not perfect. It's yeah. not all, you know, and it's, not, it's not all hygge and pastries. Saying, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. You're allowed to have an opinion on the things that are not 
perfect. Yeah. And in my situation where I'm in a two-culture relationship, so that's Before. something different as well, right? Like I am the minority at the... In your home. <laughs> in my home, in my own home, yeah. Um, and for someone to say to me, if you don't like Denmark, why don't you move back? Yeah. First of all, I've never said that I do not like Denmark. What I'm doing and what I always do is be real. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's sharing the ups and downs with humor. Um, but for someone to say that to me, they've, they're not taking into account that my partner would then become the foreigner. Right. Because I presume they're not saying that I should just go and leave you right. know, my family here. Um, <laughs> so if we're to move to New Zealand, um, my partner, he's just going to experience all this in reverse, albeit differently, yeah. um, because it's a different country. He would get permanent residency a lot easier than what I do in Denmark. Sure. Another story, next and book. Um, 14,000 euros cheaper. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, his first day of work in New Zealand, because we lived in New Zealand for three years um, before we moved here, um, one of the guys said to him, you know, after we finished our coffee, we'll go show you the ropes. Mm-hmm. And he's, <laughs> he's looking around for the ropes. <laughs> And he's an engineer, and there, there was a factory there, and he's like, okay, there might be some ropes, but why do I need to know about them? Yeah, I'll show you the ropes. I'll show you how things are done. Yep. But it's not a phrase that he'd come across before. So, so funny. To a day, he thinks that they're going sailing after lunch. <laughs> right. Like playing tug of war or what? Like, right. Um, and, and that's a smaller example. But, yeah. you know, he would become the minority there too. So that that's not what the... You know the book's about, and and don't ask me if I don't. Why, why don't I just move back to New Zealand? That, that's that's not what life's about. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And I think you you raise an interesting point about the fact that you guys did live in New Zealand for for three years before you guys came to to Denmark. And I know I've spoken with with colleagues or folks that that are Danish that have said that like our social media has opened their eyes a little bit to what their experience with a an, an international partner in their lives on there. Do you think it changed your partner's view on when you came to Denmark for him having been the international for some time before? Or is the Danish bubble so strong that even living abroad for a time, and he was in China for some time before, mm. that wasn't enough to pierce kind of that that, that bubble that, that really is Danish culture? No, I don't think it did pierce. The Danish bubble was mm. strong. And actually, after one of my speaking engagements, I had... Um, you might get it as well. Sometimes somebody will hover around because they mm. want to be the last person to talk to mm. you. And you know that that conversation is, is going to be more meaningful or deeper mm -hmm. than the other ones you've had. And it, it, she was an older woman and she'd been, she has lived in New, Ze uh, New Zealand. She's lived in Denmark for, for 30 years, married to a Dane. And she asked me uh, if when we moved to Denmark, did my Dane become more Danish? Yeah. And it got me thinking. And actually, yes. I said, now that you asked me, yes, I, I think it did. And she was asking me because that's what happened in her relationship oh. 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was super interesting. And that's why I love talking to people so much because everyone, you know, I'm not the first one to go through this. You're not the first one. Sorry. We've all... Um, you know, a lot of people have traveled similar journeys, but we've maybe not talked about it enough. All of those stories from before us have, have been lost. So um, I think it was also different for my Dane because whilst he has lived abroad um, and, you know, previous assignments where he'd lived abroad, it was as a classic expat. Sure. So you're going with a job. Yep. They're going to help you find somewhere to live. Yep. You're living in sometimes an expat bubble, yep. which is also yeah. something quite different. And I was mindful of that also when I wrote my book because when I first moved here, I remember, you know, uh, 
following social media or, or media um, stories, and I just, I'm thinking that doesn't really resonate with mm. my story. Yeah. Like I'm jumping through some pretty tough immigration hoops. It's making life quite dark for me. Um, no matter what I do, I feel like I'm getting hit on the head and pushed back down. Yep. Um, I talk about New Zealand Kerry and Denmark Kerry because New Zealand Kerry, very confident, independent, successful, successful um, career. And then you come here and you do feel like a child in your 30s. Like, holy shit, I can't get a step ahead here. Like, what is happening? Just when I think I'm, I'm like, I've made it, something else comes out and pushes you back down. So... I really related to it, kind of had a, a laugh at one story you tell specifically with, with your partner about looking for a job in that period when you were in the frustrating aspects of a job search in a country where it is different finding a job, it is different having a job here. Yeah. And I think he made a comment to you that was pretty familiar, which was, oh, I have a lot of international colleagues. Why don't you know, why are you having a tough time? And he's an engineer. <laughs> so exactly that. that. And, and, I've, and I've had similar conversations with other people because I think to find meaningful employment in Denmark, particularly when you're a generalist, mm-hmm. um, it's hard. Yeah. It has been one of the toughest periods of my life in terms of my career. I've never had mm. to look for a job yeah. um, before, but looking for a job in Denmark, losing your job in Denmark, getting back on that cycle of having to, to find employment, it is different unless... <laughs> You're an engineer, right? Right, right. Which, uh, which my Dane is, <laughs> and I remember moving here, and and he was my go. He was my only person sure. to ask, yeah. right? And so you just assume the local knows. So I would be asking how to find a job, and he would tell me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not get my job on first job on LinkedIn. So. <laughs> But it's just funny because it closed off whatever he was saying. I took his gospel. Sure. Yep. And then it closed my mind off to other other ways of doing that. And he's been in the same job for 18 years. So was that the best person to give me job search? Right. <laughs> Probably not, you know. Um, so I, I think, too, when you are trying to find employment in Denmark, I mean, that steals a big part of your soul as well. Oh. You're sending off applications, at best getting an automated reply. Yep. Um, it it is a really really hard journey to do that. Yeah, I always think too. It's there's a lot of conflicting advice, and mm-hmm. I don't mean conflicting like it doesn't work or or it does work. I mean conflicting in the sense where you're told, you know, you come here with no network, as you said, you have right. your, you have your Dane, and that's it. You know, I had Mike, and that was it. And then I'm basically having no network, but I'm supposed to create a network, but without bragging, without seeming like I'm self-promoting, without seeming like I'm uh, too coming on too strong or too... Right. <laughs> I don't have the luxury of, you know, going to gymnasium again or, or having, you know, you know, a lot of Danes, they have friendships that they've had for their whole life or even before yeah. because like their mothers were in mom groups yeah, together yeah. <laughs> and they have a huge network of very deep friends and you yeah. have to create that yourself in a matter of months without coming on too strong. Or uh, all of these things that are kind of against the grain in Denmark, yeah, yeah. and it really doesn't doesn't yeah. compute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, how do I get that network? Because yeah. I remember being on LinkedIn, and like, okay, where's my job? Where is it? But right. my feed is full of all New Zealand centric exactly. organizations, people. Yeah, um, and it's you're not going to get it just by sitting at your computer either. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. You've got to go out there in real time and meet yeah. people. But I would say one of the enlightenments I've just recently had was because I think when you first move here too, it's you know network, network, network. Yeah. 
and you think that has to be a Danish network. Oh, that's true. And yeah. actually it doesn't have to be because your international network can still bring you a lot as well. Yes. So, and how I've got one of, uh, you know, a job was actually through another New Zealander working here in Denmark. And mm. at the beginning of the process, that's not a route that I would have thought about. Sure. Um, so I think it's important to remember whoever you're talking to or sharing <laughs> your story with, if not now, maybe in the future, they can bring you something. And it's really important mm, to share yeah. those stories, right? Like people can't help you if they don't know what you're looking for or what you're going through. So, sure. And I'll never forget my first boss that brought us over here, a line that he used, because he'd lived, he's from Ireland originally, lived in the US for a long time and made it to Norway, Denmark and, and everything else. He said, expats help expats. Mm -hmm. And so he said, this is something where I'm going to take care of you guys, but you need to, you need to carry it on. You need to bring it forward to other people because nobody knows the boat that we're in yeah. and only we can take care of each other. Yeah, that's nice. I think too, when you move particularly to Denmark, there's this big question about, have you made Danish friends? Right. Danes are difficult to make friends with. Um, and part of that is, I believe, structural in terms of who you go to Burner Hill with, kindergarten, um, and particularly school, because they're spending the best part of 10 years with the same kids. And yep. the focus is on social connections there, right? A cohesion. Um, and what that often means is that when they become adults, those people are still their friends, which means that there's actually no space in their calendar. So it's yep. not that they don't want to be friends with internationals. It's that their dance card, for lack of a better word, <laughs> yeah. is already full. Yeah. And I remember also feeling guilty that I didn't have Danish friends at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but then with a bit of time and reflection, I start to think about how I would make friends in New Zealand. And I'm not the person that's going to sit down and then instantly become somebody's friend. But I would uh, get to know that person and after, you know, a few coffees. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you have my friendship, you have my friendship. Yep. You have my complete loyalty, but I'm not someone that's going to make instant friends. So why would I expect that of people in Denmark sure. as well? I have a lot of international friends and I'd also feel guilty about that. But then international friends bring something that yes. Danish friends can't because they understand. They're in the same boat. In the same boat. Yeah. We, we've had that same conversation, which is, oh, like, are we doing things wrong because we don't have more Danish friends? Or the majority of our Danish friends we have are Danes that are attached to other internationals in a similar mm -hmm. boat. And I think it took us time. And again, I think it's part of that, that loop of being an international is you, know, you come in, everything is new, and then you feel guilty about things and you try to acclimate. And then eventually you get to a point that you think, we've been here seven years, you've been here eight years. Like, we have the confidence. Like, I have my friends. And I'm proud of my friends. I'm happy of my friends. And I don't need to have a certain quota of no. people from certain yeah. places. Like, I love my friends. I'll do anything for them. I don't care where they're from. And again, and we're in, I mean, we're also living in Copenhagen, which is a tremendously international city. It's not like we're short of people to be around. No, no, it's um, all friends are good friends. All friends exactly. are good friends. And yeah. I mean, the key of having a friend is somebody that you connect with. And that's what matters most. And that's why I've, I have, I think it's, that's a realization we've come over time is that you can live in Denmark, love being in Denmark and be of Denmark, but be of Denmark in your own way. Exactly. And I think too, if, if your goal is to get Danish friends, um, you need to think about the value value that you're going to be giving them because it's not right. just knock, t knocking on their door and saying, hi, yeah. right. can we nope. be friends? Like, that's a bit freaky, right? So right. you look, you need that genuine connection first. Yeah, yep. nobody owes you anything. And it is work. It's always work to yes. make friends in a new city, in a new place. Energy, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of energy. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And oh, I like that. Nice. Yeah, I like yeah. that.
Let's get that on our match. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's our BFF tattoo. <laughs> okay, I think that's a, a great moment to take a break. And we'll be back next week in your feed with more of our conversation with Carrie Bloomfield. And Carrie, in the meantime, where can people catch up with you while they're waiting? They can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Carrie.bloomfield, K E R I dot Bloomfield. Uh, and also on my website, Carrie Bloomfield.com. Wonderful. We'll catch you there. Thanks for listening today, guys. 